Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. And 603-283-6160 is the phone number. Hear that? 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And we have some really interesting news to talk about tonight. The president of Argentina, Javier Malay, everybody is always criticizing him for being a World Economic Forum member. And it's not a bad criticism. I don't blame them. And and I continue to be skeptical that Javier Malay is not maybe some kind of a fall guy on purpose. And, but I don't I don't want to be negative. It's just that I've never had a reason to be positive about a politician. So yeah, yeah, honestly, I don't think any of us have. I mean, we've seen politicians lie to us before. So yeah, what's another one going to lie to us about? But so he's a World Economic Forum member, and people have often pointed that out. Like, oh my gosh, that's a really bad thing because those are really bad people for the most part. They're the people that came out with the idea of you will have nothing and you'll be happy. Their twenty thirty agenda. Yep, eating and, bugs. Yeah, and... generally the World Economic Forum types are these global elitists that want to fly around their private jets and tell you, hey, you got to reduce your carbon footprint while they fly around their private jets. Yep, those exact types and 15-minute city types, those yeah. types mm-hmm. of people that just want you to rent everything from the government in the future and own nothing. But Javier Malay, right before going in to speak, there was somebody in Spanish asking him, so what's your game plan for today? And he was like, I'm going to confront these people about their 2030 agenda. I'm and su- I'm yeah. surprised they invited him. Well, he's a member. So maybe they just didn't know how radical he was and he became president and now he's like letting loose. Oh, maybe. And I listened to the whole speech today and there was nothing to criticize. It was really good. Yeah. It's like at this point, it's just words, but really good words. And I'm not saying that it will necessarily change the people, the World Economic Forum people's minds or something, but it's great that this is getting out there on such a big platform. These yeah. really oh, of course. Good ideas. I mean, you got to start somewhere. And if he's spouting the ideas of liberty on a public platform like with the World Economic Forum, then someone's going to listen. He's also been doing a lot of stuff. Oh, it? absolutely. Yeah. He, what, he slashed, um, I don't even remember how many. Like nine out of 21 yeah. departments so, so, and that's, in government. That's rare that a, any politician will kind of keep to their campaign promises yeah, and really do anything at all. And, and yeah. also, I think a lot of like I I obviously know more about U.S. politics, so I guess I'll use that as an example. But it's not always so easy for a president to go into office and make these huge changes because there's Congress and Senate and then there's other like checks and balances that can kind of you know, ruin any chances that they have to make things better. And that's why things just stay stagnant and take a really long time well, for that, us to see any change. Or they never actually wanted to do any yeah, of Yeah, or they're liars. They which just is... say, oh, it can't because of Congress. Like Trump had a Republican yeah. Congress when he that's true. got oh, yeah, elected he and he just didn't do anything. But you're right. Uh, this guy, he's actually doing things. He's gotten rid of nine out of 21 government departments. And then he's fired thousands of government workers. Yeah. And he is serious about what he's saying. And part of what he is saying is that there's a parasite class. They want us to be socialists. And the main or the large majority of the people in each country that does that will suffer. And that's what he's talking about in this speech. Just really quickly, I want to touch on something that you just said about him firing thousands of government workers. That might sound mean 
to some people, especially like socialist, communist types or statist type people. Um, but you have to realize Argentina, the economy was in dire straits. Oh, yeah. They could oh, not yeah. afford to be paying these people to be and unproductive. I'm sure, exactly. And parasites. I'm sure most of their jobs, they weren't really doing anything to contribute mm-hmm. To anyone else, it was just like wasted tax dollars like we see here in the United States. Yes. So it might sound like, oh, me, you're firing people? That's so mean. Sometimes people need to be fired and they need to get a, a different job where they're more productive <laughs> yeah. and they're actually providing value and not just getting paid off of stolen money. Well, I think as libertarians, we look at government as the parasite class because they exist They exist based on theft of the people's money and mismanagement of people's money. But yet Javier Malay is like, I understand this is the people's money that I'm being paid with. So I want to make sure that they're getting a a good bang for their buck, so to speak. Yeah, he certainly is a breath of fresh air. One thing I haven't completely gotten a full understanding of, but somebody that is really following it and speaks Spanish that I know um, has told me about is that he has a one-year plan to get rid of the their central bank. Cool. Oh, interesting. Well, let's, let's see it. So I'm going to go into this article that Nikki brought just to explain to the people like what he was doing there. It says, Argentina's libertarian president, Javier Malay, has accused Western leaders of abandoning the values of the West in a high-profile address to the World Economic Forum, where his debut on the world stage met with warm applause. And, and when I was watching it, every time it showed them, they looked kind of uninteresting, uninterested and silent. I kind of didn't think it was... Like, maybe he just walked up on stage and they politely applauded, but I didn't think, like, oh, they love him. There yeah. was something that Matt pointed out when we watched it together, who's my husband and sometimes co-host of this show... Um, that some of the people in the front row or like some of the people in the audience that you could see had these like smug looks on their face mm. like, oh, haha, he's so cute. Like, mm. sure. When he <laughs> after he gave his speech where he was essentially like, I mean, you'll get into it, but talking about them. how they're them being parasites and how there needs to be a complete like everything they stand for is a bad idea, essentially. Yeah. Um, But they, yeah, they just had these like weird robotic smug looks on their faces yeah i never saw them i saw a lot like not even looking up anyways i guess maybe they applauded when he walked on stage maybe i mean i guess so that's what the article says he said i'm here to tell you that the western world is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the west have been co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and therefore to poverty Millet told an audience in davos on wednesday He said international organizations have been influenced by collectivism, radical feminism, and a cruel environmental agenda. I didn't even notice the radical feminism part. It's just like, I don't know, just stick to your economic points. I don't know. It's not like I didn't hear him say anything about radical feminism in his, um, in the translated video that I watched. Me either. And I watched the whole thing. But of course, like, I can't speak Spanish, so I don't know for certain which version of. His words, his English translated words are, are true. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, I wonder that's if true. the person writing this article is, I wonder what their biases are. Exactly. I mean, most most media's biases are towards 
you know, government and parasitic ideologies like socialism. Yep. I mean, socialism for listeners who are unfamiliar, socialism is this collectivist ideology where the community owns everything and you don't own your personal property anymore. You don't get a house. You don't get cars. It's owned by the community. So this is why I would oppose socialism is, is that I don't want to have my stuff owned by a community. Well, it's not really owned by the, the community, right? It's kind of owned by the the people in power, the, the oh, ruling of class, it is. you know? But the, pe- the people in power are giving you this illusion. Oh, it's the community that owns everything. We're going to do democratic socialism and, and choose who our leaders are going to be and choose how we, don't, no, how, we, how we distribute things. No, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I I can't um do a control F on this um where I like I Google translated it all um from a translation or not a translation from a transcript of it in Spanish so I have the whole thing here Google translated into English just looking through it I don't see the word feminist at all that doesn't mean it's not there because I can't do a control F and like actually search through it right now from where it's on my page um but I, I almost feel like they just made that up. I, I don't know. I listened to the whole thing today. Maybe there was... It just sounds irrelevant, like, right? Like, why? Right. What, what did feminism have to... I'm not a fan of, like, modern woke feminism. Neither. Um, to me, radical feminism is a different thing. Um, to me, radical feminism is the opposite of the modern woke feminism. It's more like going back to, like, traditional women, whatever. Hmm. Um, I just don't get what that has to do with economics, honestly. Yeah, I just think women should do... <laughs> I don't know. Just do whatever you want. Whatever like, they yeah. want. And, like, this idea that, oh, w- women doing blah, blah, blah has ruined our country when we have... You, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of government workers to fire. That probably yeah. has more to do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, but I don't really know if he said that or not, and I don't see it here. I, I've, I've now went up and down, like, three times. Anyways... So, and I am going to post that somewhere. I don't know how I'm going to do it, um, but you can, I want to be able to post my little Google translated version of the whole thing. It was nine pages. So. Wow. That's a massive document. Right. I want to be able to post it somewhere. Cause it was, it was like, I think 25 minutes of like the whole uncut video. So it says that he said, International organizations have been influenced by collectivism, radical feminism, and a cruel environmental agenda. Malay, a self-described anarcho-capitalist and former television pundit, was elected on anti-establishment platforms in an an anti-establishment platform in November amid the troubled South American economy's worst crisis in two decades. The head of a large European buyout firm came out of the Congress Hall impressed by Malay's speech. Ahead of the speech, Daniel Pinto, J.P. Morgan president and chief operating officer, said Argentina's new government may be creating a new beginning for the country, bringing an end to 80 years of economic deterioration. He warned of a tough year ahead. However, as Malay's plans require the population to be willing to go through the pain of austerity. So... What he's doing, his whole, like, one-year plan, um, he has to basically, he's pumping money into the economy while, like, like especially the welfare programs, and that might sound, oh, that doesn't sound very libertarian, but it's because he's giving them, like, a cushion as he makes, basically makes the dollar die. So, or not the dollar, the Argentine peso. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. So he's kind of, I don't exactly know how to explain it, but he's kind of forcing the Argentine dollar's death faster and cushioning the poorest of the poor hmm. with welfare. And then in a year from now, it, it should be all better because they should be dollarized and their central bank gone if the IMF doesn't give them too hard of a time. So Malay's economic policies have also won initial support from the IMF whose technical staff approved a um, disbursement of funds to Argentina last week and whose deputy managing director, Gita Gopinath, told the Financial Times the new administration had moved boldly to correct several of the misalignments that are there in the economy. Malay's Davos appearance for his first overseas trip as president was his first chance to pitch his ultra-liberal vision to the global elite following his Shock election victory. Malay on Wednesday said the case of Argentina is an empirical demonstration that no matter how rich you may be or how much you may have in terms of natural resource, if measures are adopted that hinder the free function of markets, the only possible fate is poverty. It's so true because Argentina is a lush, beautiful, green place with oil and mm-hmm. other things to mine and farm. And, you know, they've got their little coast to go around. I, I feel like right. they have a lot Argentina of stuff. They have no a, reason to be pov- yeah. impoverished like they are. Argentina sounds like a very resource-rich place. And when it's, you know, poverty-stricken because it's so poor, mm-hmm. that just goes to show you that it's a corrupt government running things rather than a a healthy government or a government with checks and balances or a government that, governs by empowering the people to succeed yeah and in his to his point they're hindering the function of free markets right yeah and if people don't know what that means socialism is when your markets are controlled oh this this company is making too much money we gotta take some from them oh you can't start this business because we already have one things like that the government decides instead of the market deciding and the government choose who chooses who wins and loses like if a if a company's about to go out of business the government will front them some money which costs the taxpayers just things like that that you know the 2008 ca- crisis the the bailouts that happened with the banks in the 2008 yep. crisis in um, america oh yeah and the the stimulus plans that went through in 2020 when trump signed all those checks yep <laughs> creating more inflation and you know making the rich people richer and the poor people poor right exactly so since taking office in December, the libertarian economist has moved rapidly to slash Argentina's fiscal deficit and deregulate the economy. The IMF delivered a vote of confidence in Malay's plans last week as its technical staff approved a $4.7 billion disbursement of the country's $43 billion loan program, enabling it to pay the fund back for earlier lending. Argentina is its largest debtor, so they have a bunch of debt with the IMF, I guess they asked for some of it. I just don't know what a disbursement is. I wish I we had um, Peakless Mountaineer on the show. He would yeah. be able to explain that. <laughs> the decision is pending approval by the IMF's board. Malay met IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva. Whoa, what a name. <laughs> on Wednesday after his speech, Gopinath cited Malay's 54% devaluation in the official exchange rate in December as one of his administration's 
bold moves. She said a strong fiscal anchor was an important condition for an improvement. And that was what this administration did, which previous administrations were not able to do. The IMF held tense, drawn-out talks last year with Argentina's previous left-leaning Peronist government, which is like their Democrats, I think. I, I mean, it's their left-leaning party. That's all I know. Okay. Peronists. And I, I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, which printed billions of pesos to fund pre-election cash handouts and publicly blamed the IMF for an unpopular currency devaluation in August. Argentina and the fund last week unveiled a target for the country to reach a fiscal surplus of 2% of gross domestic product in 2024, revised upwards from a 9.9% deficit target. The new goal would imply spending cuts and tax increases worth about 5% of GDP. And honestly, I just want to read the I just want to read what he said because now like I can't really explain these plans to to the listeners if they don't know what I'm talking about to be honest. Um they talk about there are some people with concerns about his um reforms. Well, it's like don't you have concerns about what's happening either way? Don't you have concerns yeah. about the hyperinflation? Well, and that's the thing, too. It's like, even if there were things to criticize about his plans, whatever's happening down there is so... Like, people are starving. The economy's in ruins. That is... I mean, he's going to have to take drastic steps oh, to yes. even he's, try to fix this. Oh, I yeah. mean, he was an inherited a mess. Yeah. And it seems like, based on you know previous speeches... The reason why he is running for president and the reason why he went through all of this work to become president is because he was so concerned. You know, like this is his home. This is where he and his family lives. You know what I mean? So it was so important for him to step up and, you know, take on this challenge of trying to fix the economy. And it, I mean, his plan, I mean, it seems pretty good. It seems better than anything I've ever heard from a politician. Right. So, I mean, people can criticize it, but what are they doing? If what is plan, their plan? If his plan works out, I think a lot of other countries will either adopt it or or they'll criticize him even more. Because, you know, Javier Malay is definitely a popular candidate for a lot of us libertarians because... You know, he's slashing government. He's doing a lot of good things that we see are good. But at the same time, you know, he's going to be criticized on the world stage for doing all these things because they look at government as a good thing rather than a bad thing. And if he can improve his economy, they have to say something nice about him, hopefully. Or they can make stuff up, which, right. you know, people do all the time. And the media has a reason to make stuff up about him even if he succeeds because they work in lockstep with the government parasites <clears throat> to have their cushy dumb jobs which is aren't really about getting to the truth but more about reporting what the government wants them to report so they get their paycheck there's there's lots of there's levels to this parasite crap there are the straight up parasites who just sit in the office all day Go like, oh my god, if they actually have to do any work. Yeah. And there are the even worse ones, honestly, that are prosecutors and judges and they go after people and ruin their lives. Um, they're professional liars and get paid a lot of money to do that. And, and there are these other types of parasites that 
they're just something like, oh, I work in finance and I finance BlackRock, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I work at BlackRock and I finance like big businesses and, and they aren't really, they're just, they're just being held up by government and journalists are another one. They're just held up by government. They're not actually doing anything. Not not every journalist, but a huge amount of them, and especially in the mainstream media, they it's, just get told what to write oh, about. Yeah. It's it's definitely becoming a lot worse, and we see that happening more and more, where the journalists are in the pocket of big government because it's good business to be in the pocket of gov- of, of government because they're going to give you all the good stories, they'll get all the nice press releases, and it's protection, invited. right? Oh yeah, it's it's protection for sure. It's definitely not freedom of the press that we should be enjoying here in the United States under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. It's a way for governments or the the tyrants, despots, and thieves to influence what reporters talk about in order to get them on their good side. Well, we saw that before, right? I wish I could remember what the name of the newspaper was or um, or where it was, but it was that newspaper... That where they raided the guy's house because he was speaking out against the police. It was in Kansas, but yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember and then, that story. Yeah, yeah, and then his mother they they raided the house and like harassed this like ninety year old woman and she ended up dying the next day. But like this is what happened. I mean, heck, we got raided here. I mean, I wonder why. Like this is what happens when you speak out against the powers that be. Um, but somebody has to do it. So I mean, oh, yeah. I agree. And I also think that the government needs these people to keep people thinking that the government is good. So yeah. if it, if the government is so obviously bad and then people don't have their opinions handed to them, they might make their own opinion about the government being bad. But And, and they get so in your face bad, but then the, the all they see is like they turn on the news that night. And it's the media telling them how the problem is actually someone else, not the government. Yep. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. You can call in um, about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you control and 603-283-6160 is the phone number here. That's 603-283-6160. And I wanted to tell you that Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project with a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash. You can learn more at dash.org. That's dash.org. And on Free Talk Live tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And it looks like we have a caller. Unscreened caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Congratulations, Caps. You inherited a Ponzi scheme. The boy. <laughs> what does that El mean? El Loco, Justin. 
Are you the Your Ponzi scheme? He, he, he you... inherited uh, the Argentina Ponzi scheme economy. Well, we're going to find out guys, in a few years what that's going to look like. Though. For its collapse, and if it does succeed, democracy will take credit. Congratulations! I thought Cap. that you like collapses. You you're you're so dumb. Like you're you're no. so inconsistent. Uh, no. Yeah, you are. You're always you saying like, Bonnie, if you like, if you care about freedom, you'll Did want the collapse. Said, okay, said, goodbye. He's Skeeter, such a loser. Skeeter like you can't have a conversation with calls that idiot. In a lot and talks about various things, thinking he's all smart and intelligent, but he he's probably like the dumbest caller who's ever called into the show. Yeah, like he, he just learned wow. there's, there are I mean, terms on the yeah. internet. And he uses them, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. He never makes any sense. And he, and then, like, when you question him, he just says something like that. Like, what was what did he even mean? Like, I was responding to what you said, Skeeter. So, obviously, I heard what you said. Yeah. He's stupid. And, yeah, it's hard to be the dumbest ever to call into the show. Yeah, that's, like, actually kind of impressive. But, yeah, I think he <laughs> might be the dumbest and the most annoying person to ever call this show. He just doesn't know how to com- how to, how to have a conversation. He talks over hosts a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I hear it all the time on the show because I edit show audio and stuff. Yeah. So it's a little frustrating. Anyway. And and then he accuses you of not letting him speak. It's so stupid. Yeah. In the last segment, we were talking about Javier Malay, the new president of Argentina. He won as an open ANCAP, an anarcho-capitalist. And... It, that was like a shock to everyone. Everybody was really surprised that that happened. And he gave a speech at the World Economic Forum today. Um, yeah, today's Wednesday. So, yeah. And it was really crazy good. Like, it's nice that these ideas are getting out there in such a wide scale. I've seen this all over the place today. And... I really hope that it breaks out past the just the libertarian crowd and more people see this. I mean, lots of people pay attention to the World Economic Forum. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like where the big global elites, elites go to meet to figure out what they want to do with their economies. And I don't know if I'm going to read this entire thing. It will take a while to read the entire thing. But I liked this article that we read in the last segment because it gives a lot of background. But I really want more of this on the air and we're not gonna be able to play javier speaking it considering he said it in spanish so i'm just gonna start reading some of it it says good afternoon thank you very much today i'm here to tell you that the west is in danger it is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the west find themselves co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism consequently to poverty Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some right-thinking desires to help others. So some are that way. There's nothing wrong with helping others. It's just how do you want to go about it? Do you want to go about it by taxing people, by taxing certain groups of people, and demanding that the pay I'm sure there are share? people that think they're doing something right by doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I refuse to believe it's well, most of them. Because it's the concept of taking from the rich and giving to the poor but like mm-hmm. obviously we all know that that's not what happens yeah right. because the rich actually just get more tax breaks and it's really just like the the middle class the working class that's getting the brunt of the tax burden and it's like you can actually help people without stealing from other people like you don't have <laughs> to hurt somebody else right. to help somebody that's less fortunate right churches find ways to help the poor Absolutely. in their congregations 
better than governments do. Right. And if it was a really important cause, people would be happy to contribute to it without threat. Yeah. You know? So he's not being milk toast here. He he says some are motivated by right thinking desires to help others and others motivated by the desire to belong to a privileged caste. The main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments, they are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. But on the contrary, they are their cause. And collectivism, basically, if you don't know, means, well, we got to we're all in this together. I have a problem, so it's your problem too. And you've got to help me fix it. And people aren't individuals who can decide what to do with their own time and money and yeah, lives. Yeah, it, it basically does not... Collectivism basically says we're going to manage everybody's time through top-down means rather than bottom-up means. And that basically puts you know the individual out of out of power and... You know, the whole world. I don't. Okay, maybe not the whole world, but a lot of the world wants to lean more toward collectivism because they're like, "Oh, we we all live in this world together. We're all collectivized." And well, not really. If you think about it, there are people who live out in the country, and there are people who live in cities. It seems like the big city types want to collectively decide what the people in the country should be doing with their time. The thing about it. I do believe that we all have, we create a collective reality. Sure. We are all part, we are all one. We are all part of this thing called the universe. Oh, yeah. And the thing about it is when you harm other people, when you feel like somebody else has something, so I, I'm jealous and I, I am in a state of lack, all you're doing is polluting the collective consciousness that yeah. we all have to live in. All you're doing is causing harm. If if you are not living your life by right action, which is what you have the right to do, and not doing what you don't have the right to do, then you will naturally be individualistic. You will naturally be altruistic. And he, oh my God, he gets into this so good here when he thanks business owners for all that they do. It, it's really good. So yeah, um, I know what you mean, Riley. I'm not uh, disagreeing or anything. Yeah. But um, I think that. I think that some people might think, oh, I, I don't like what they're saying because, like, obviously we're all, we all live on this planet together. We do all live on this planet together, and it's not about being selfish. And and I don't like some liber- libertarians' ideas that, like, selfishness is actually good. I, I don't like that idea because, like, if I was a Christian, I'm kind of like a Swedenborgian, and he is all about... The most important thing is doing things for other people. Like when I think about how much my life sucks right now, all I can think about is like, it's not about me. And that's the only thing that makes it better. Like it sucks so bad. It's like the worst thing that I've ever been through. But it's not just about me. It's not. It's like I have other like if I thought about giving this to someone else, just being like, you know what, I'm going to walk away. And if you don't know, I'm talking about my husband got put in prison for selling Bitcoin. If I thought about just walking away and not letting Free Talk Live be a thing anymore, that would not just be selfish, but it would... Somebody, the universe needs this this story arc to happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is an important show. This is an important history-making experience we're having here. I mean, 
one of the founders of this show is in a prison cell right now, all for the crime of selling Bitcoin to willing buyers. He just didn't fill out the paperwork for the government. The paperwork that didn't exist. Yeah, essentially. Well, I don't think he needed to fill fill it out. And then the jury decided he needed to fill it out. And it's just really stupid. You can learn more at the, the Crypto6.com. I like what you're saying, though, about because based on my observations, you know, while being alive on this earth, it seems that people that are altruistic and people that are giving are also the same people that in turn become abundant. Right. So like, oh, if course. you're constantly on like a lack wavelength, yeah, that's all you're going to get. You know what I mean? Like you're you're constantly sending the message out to the universe I I have nothing, and like that's all you're gonna get. You're just gonna keep getting crap. Yeah. When you operate from scarcity, you get scarcity. So, for example, if you're living in a world of, oh, I don't have enough of this, and I'll never have enough of X, Y, or Z. Yeah, you're you're never gonna have enough. Yeah, it's desperation. The universe doesn't speak desperation. Like, if you want to be abundant. You have to be abundant. Yeah, and that leads to things like hoarding and, and stuff like that because hoarders live in this mindset of, oh, I'm, I'm never going to have enough. i got to save all of this stuff because I'm never going to have enough of anything. And yeah, so which they, is still a lack state, right? Oh, yeah. And it's a state of fear. When you live yeah. in a state of love, which is something all of us struggle to do, all of us need to learn how to live in love with the universe or whatever or God or whatever and lead from abundance, lead from a place of... I'm going to manifest abundance by living an abundant life. And when I was, you know, like struggling every day to pay bills and stuff, uh, there was a girl that said something about that to me. And I remember getting kind of mad at her because she was born in a rich family. Yeah. And And it does feel offensive, right? It's like, are you like victim blaming me? Yeah. (laughs) Right. It feels that way. I had already become a libertarian. I was like, the government's like stealing what, Mm -hmm. what percentage of my money? Like you're acting like it's my fault. But it, everything really changes when you change your mind. It's Absolutely. just mental over material. I mean, I literally like I had it happen to to me when I was, you know, first starting up my businesses. I was just in such a state of desperation because I was so desperate for money. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'll do anything to make money. Like, I really just need to pay my bills. And I was just and it, you don't always realize you're there. But once you can learn how to reframe your mind and switch into a state of true abundance i mean and i'm not saying it's easy and it takes a lot of inner work but it is possible and like that's how that's why you see those entrepreneurs who have multi-million dollar businesses it's not because they're all cutthroat and they're all like elon musks who are taking handouts from the government and doing all these like slimy things you can truly have an abundant life without being a slime ball yeah it's much easier in a country that is not impeding you from being able to do anything though like in cuba true it's going to be a lot harder absolutely yeah it's going to be almost impossible i don't even know if they can start a business in cuba honestly um it looks like we do have a caller though so i want to let them on unscreened caller you're on free talk live what's on your mind yeah yeah thanks for taking my call it 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 sort of uh relates to what you guys were talking about um, so I, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm in my, uh, late twenties here. Um, you know, I studied economics, I'm pro, you know, free market capitalism. Uh, I went to those Mises events <laughs> back, back in the day. And so, but my, you know, just, just stepping away from like 
academia, school, into the real world, and you know, living through the consequences of uh, you know price inflation, which is a result of monetary inflation. There's a big difference between like reading about it, right? <laughs> reading what Rothbard and Mises say about the expansion of money supply and you know all things equal that leads to rising prices. There's a difference between reading that, at least in my case, right, as a young person, not really exposed to you know the reality of living as an adult and relative to now. So my thinking is, I just want to see what, what you guys think and what, what your audience think, but my, the way I, I, I look at things now is the, the, the increase in, in, in inflation, right, the, the, at the monetary level, increases price inflation, right? It's just the currency gets depreciated. But uh, kind of relating what you guys were getting at, so I work in finance, and it's, you know, I work long hours, really long hours, and I'm starting to realize that, you know, even though I work in a pretty, you know, good sector, making decent income for someone my age, I'm paycheck to paycheck, essentially. Mm. And I'm starting to realize that, you know, my managers and, you know, upper management, leadership, X, Y, and Z, these guys are on easy mode. And it's starting to seem like some sort of, like, you know, feudalism of some sort, meaning, you know, these managers tell me to do X, Y, and Z every day. They don't, they, they do nothing, uh, meaning they don't log in over 10 hours a day. For example, I started working today at 7 a.m. Eastern time. I get done around like 6.30, right? So that's, that's, that's 10 plus hours there. And my manager was gone by 4.30 p.m. Interesting. That's usually right, so, how it is, right? Yeah, I mean, I hear this yeah. same thing. No, I mean, do they do nothing? Exactly. Do they not have, like, maybe just some maybe more stressful tasks that they have to get done and then maybe, like, stuff you don't see behind the scenes? Or do you really believe that they're doing nothing? It's, it's an honest question. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's a good point. And it's all relative, right? Like, the, the, the skills that they do are people skills, right? So hmm. being sociable... Right, because they talk to clients and then they they talk to us and they talk to others in, in, in my company. Relative to me and my team, it's pure technical, right? And so um, maybe that's why I feel like I work harder than them, right? Because I my my own view is, you know, being able to crunch out numbers is a lot harder than being able to talk to some random schmuck. Yeah, the I point mean, I want to make is. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say. I mean, I felt that way whenever I worked like any sort of clock in clock out yeah. style of job oh, yeah. where you know and I I come from a healthcare background right so I was either working as a nurse's aide and that's like really like the you know the grunt work right or as even as a nurse where it was like you know I I'm seeing my manager and I it just felt like they were super lazy and they were getting paid a ton of money and we were all busting our butts and it seemed like, hey, like you guys are getting paid a lot more money than I am for doing a lot less work. Sometimes um, I think that it just evens out because of the fact it just depends on like the, the industry. Like I'm not saying I know what your bosses are doing, Caller, or, or Nikki's bosses were doing. Yep. But I I always I, I've heard that this is very clear and in your face an idea in the hotel industry, which I worked for ho- hotels for like five years and. I just got a job in the uh, front desk because I'm not like I just was able to show that I could figure those things out. And I got a job at the front desk. I was like 19 
And I didn't start off making more money than the housekeepers that have been there for years. Like they have gotten their raises and they um, like it's not like I just make more money than them. But if somebody got hired as a housekeeper, I made more money than them because they just started. And you start off less as a housekeeper than a person at the front desk. And I had a good friend who's a housekeeper. Obviously, she was working literally physically harder than me. Mm -hmm. Obviously. She would like we'd get off work at the same time and she'd be like sweating and we'd like I drive her to her house and like she'd take a shower before we got ready to go do something else. And like I would not be sweating. So <laughs> sometimes it feels like, oh, the housekeepers work so much harder. Why do they get paid less? But the amount of stress from having to deal with the front desk losers who come <laughs> in like I didn't this egg is not 90 degrees. It's. 89 degrees (laughs) and all this crap happened well almost when i say almost i'm like not exaggerating like i can't even explain to you how terrible people become when they are when they realize they're a hotel guest and you're working at the hotel like some of the worst people in the entire world Mm. so so basically what you're saying is it's just like a different kind of work that typically management would have to do and not just that but like i tried i tried telling her my friend her English was not her first language, so there's that. I'm not saying she's stupid or anything, but I tried, like, I would let her stand behind the desk with me, and I would, like, show her what I was doing on, like, just the computer side, like, logging people in. It's very simple. And she was like, I I could never wrap my mind around this. Like, huh. she probably just believed that about herself. Maybe she could if she really tried. Yeah, but there's also that, yeah. If, if you're not even willing to just try to learn a computer skill, like, I'm sorry, you're probably going to be busting your butt doing physical stuff and I, I know it's not exactly the same thing as your situation caller but i just i can't really just like blame or or like i can't really see the whole picture because i don't work at your job do you see what i mean yeah i guess the point i wanted to ultimately make which kind of you uh kind of mentioned there in, in, in terms of your own experience is that look i'm look i'm a believer in climbing the ladder right we all start somewhere and it's not sunshine and lollipops yep. or strong the ladder. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, climbing so, so, a ladder so, so. is always a tough experience. You got to build. You don't go to a gym and lift 400 pound weights. You got to build up to it. Hmm. Exactly. But my my thinking is the reason why other people that that are you know left leaning and 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 support these redistribution policies, kind of what what Malay was talking about in in terms of I think what he was talking about more was like diversity. But if we just include like redistribution of wealth into that. I feel like a lot of young people feel feel that way because maybe they're getting their you know first second jobs out of school and they're in the same position I right but unfortunately the current monetary situation we live in which is you know prices increasing on average two percent every year that just eats up in terms of your real wage yeah or your oh yeah it does I mean, so, and it's increasing more because of the inflation that's been going on it's just it's just exactly more people are noticing it now. More people are upset well, over the inflation because I know really noticing it. I know a lot of people who I, I've heard this story a lot of times where someone will say, I am struggling more now. Like I they were struggling less when they were working entry level minimum wage jobs than they are now making almost double that. Like at Walmart, I know that I never wanted to become a manager because they were always like, oh, you know, work a little hard, harder and you might get the chance to be a CSM or whatever they called it, the manager yeah. that's at the front. 
everyone that I saw do that in like a week was like, why am I doing this? I'm making a little bit more money. For a lot more work. For a lot more responsibility, like people getting mad at the front desk at Walmart and have to deal with that. But I think it goes beyond that, though. I think it's it's really just a reflection of how bad the economy is now that when I was 16 years old working at a petting zoo, making like whatever, $9 an hour, now that my income is a lot, a lot more than that, I'm still, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I can't, it you it really dawns on you when you're at the grocery store and it's like, these things cost almost three times more than they did five, ten years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like the dollar cannot buy as much as it once could. So it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of the company. Every single person that is using that currency is going to feel those effects, you yeah, know? It's a secret hidden tax yeah. where they're stealing money, stealing the value of your money from you. Yeah, and I don't think any sort of wealth distribution, like taking from the rich and giving to the poor, like that's not what's going to fix it. It's like no, we it's need a because, true... Because people who don't know how to manage money are going to find that money's managing them. In other words, they're going to find that if they have $1,000 in their bank account... And they're not able to hold on to that thousand dollars or invest it or save it and add to it. They're going to find themselves keep working, working on the hamster wheel all the time, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Well, that's that's true, but it doesn't even matter because the economy is so bad. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Like it yeah. doesn't matter how good you can invest. It doesn't matter how what your salary is, how much money you're making. I mean, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Sure. I mean, and that's that's the the point is that. It's never using the fiat currency like it's it's never going to get better. They keep doing all these welfare programs. They keep printing all of this money. They are literally destroying. I, I, I mean, in Argentina, but also in the United States, they're destroying their currency. And it's like our, our money is essentially worthless and it's becoming more and more worthless as the time goes on. It's definitely like it's not just the terms you think of when you learn about America and whatever in school once it's a land you of opportunity except now it's full of inflation and theft and i still think mm-hmm. that you can you can get ahead but sometimes it's just gonna suck so bad until you like you just have to push through some stuff because it's going to be extremely hard it's extremely hard yeah. to just like survive nowadays yeah i think it's also a good idea to invest in other things so i mean why would i keep my money in the fiat currency when i could invest in gold silver cryptocurrencies things right. that actually have more value yeah, oh, yeah. Hold, hold their value 603-283-6160 thank you for the call caller it's free talk live you can call in about whatever is on your mind that's 603-283-6160 and more is coming up. that you control and 603-283-6160 is the phone number that's 
283-6160. And I wanted to thank Robbie, who's a silver level amplifier. That means that Robbie is giving at least $5 a month to the AMPS program. That stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. So when you give money to the AMPS program, you're helping to amplify, sorry, not amplify it, Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support, Free Talk Live. And we thank you so much for that. If you would like to learn more, we thank you, Robbie, so much for that. And if you'd like to learn more, you can go to amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. And with you tonight on Free Talk Live, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And it looks like we have Dave Ridley from New Hampshire from RidleyReport.com on the air with us. Ridley, what's on your mind? Ridley. Well, while I was um, getting ready to go into the uh, state house, or at least I was standing outside, you know, holding a sign for the uh, for the independent bill, uh, some people started walking past me, and I I pulled up my camera and said, "Are you guys state reps?" You know, I was going to ask them questions about whether they support our right to vote on independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, uh, no, we're not state reps. We're survivors of the USS Liberty. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I've heard about that's this. Not something, that's not something that walks past you every day. Right? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. not really. It was crazy. This famous, this one of the most famous U.S. ships in history attacked by the government of Israel for what? How, how long did the attack last? An hour? Two hours? I'm not sure, but um, they were without help for a long time. Like 13 time. hours. Oh, yeah. And there's a 40-foot by 40-foot torpedo hole in their ship. Yep. Well, I didn't know that. That's insane. I I didn't know that until I heard these guys speaking. And the U.S. government did not investigate it or try to cover it up or whatever, and it's really sad. And the government told these people, like, you're not going to talk about this to anyone. Like, shut up. So they they went in and and testified on the—there's a bill— by, by State Rep. Jason Gerhardt, uh, a free, uh, well, I don't know if he's a free stater, he's definitely a liberty rep who's moved here, um, you know, within the last 10 years. And so he sponsored the bill to create a state investigation of the USS Liberty attack. Does that make sense? Yes. He's there. They want to ask the government of New Hampshire to just start to investigate. I, I really... Maybe the state of New Hampshire is going to ask the federal government to investigate. Is that it? I don't think so. I think this is a state investigation. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't think. I don't think Jason's into getting the federal government to do investigations. Yeah, probably not. I think he just wants New Hampshire to try and find a way to investigate this whole experience hmm. of, the, of of the survivors and the whole ship disaster. Okay. When I was in college, I went to through this course called Hometown Foreign Policy, and it was you know, run by kind of a secession-leaning guy a little bit, or who's sort of an autonomy guy, like the idea of local government doing the governing in the United States instead of the big government, the big uh, federal government. Uh, and this is sort of a, I haven't seen very many examples of that working very well, but this is a nice example of at least trying. Uh, so something else that happened uh, while I was there, as I was, uh, as I was, uh, Toward the end of my stay there, because I stayed at the building until, you know, between, I was there like between, I don't know, I guess 12, 15 p.m. and 3, 15 p.m. roughly, or maybe 3 p.m. And around 3 p.m., you know, after everybody was gone, th- there was uh, a, a building or a, 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 a vehicle pulled up with a billboard on its side, one of those changing billboards, like an electronic billboard. And it was uh, it was there to support the guys in the Liberty 
the USS Liberty, and it was showing all these pictures of uh, of misdeeds uh, by the Israeli government. Oh wow! Where where was it? This is just right in front of the state house, and the guys at the oh. Liberty, I guess they were still there too, and they went out and hung out with the the guys at the at the truck and. Uh, so that was just another thing that happened that really most cool. people probably weren't aware of. Yeah, I did not see that. I kind of like as soon as the second secession bill was over, I just kind of left. And I also got there too late to go to the sine wave, really. I had to go set up my camera. And um, I did listen to those people's testimony, though. And it was, oh, my God, just so heartbreaking that their own government, you know, it, it's like. I hate to say it like that, like, but the the government these people pledge to serve truly because they're the government or they're the, the military. The military, yep. They got told by them like, uh, "We don't care that you were attacked wrongfully by the Israeli government. Don't talk about it. Um, we don't care that all your friends just died in front of you. We don't care that you didn't get help for hours. Um, don't talk about it." Like. That's so crazy. Like, imagine, I don't know, just imagine being in a car accident and the police come over and they're like, it didn't happen. It's like, obviously not your fault. You know, that's like a way smaller scale. And this occurred during the Vietnam era. So, you know, the United States is already focusing on another war. So I'm wondering if this is an attempt to keep the the focus on Vietnam and not something else. Hmm. Well, what was your take? I understand that someone from the American Legion was there and and gave some pretty disturbing testimony against yeah. the USS Liberty guys. What was it your was, take on that? I haven't heard. It wasn't quite against them as much as apparently in this bill, the American Legion was named and he just went up there very rude and gross. And he was like, I just wanted to say the American Legion does not want to be a part of this. And if they're if our if our name isn't removed we will take legal uh, consequences. And then he was like giggling, like he was being such a freak. I well, like I, zoomed in on him. Do we know what, what is the language in the bill where they're mentioned? Right, I, I didn't get that. So that's yeah, all I, he I wasn't said. aware of that. And um, yeah, it was just like kind of gross. Like imagine this guy's going up there talking about like, yeah, all my friends are dead on the deck next to me. I'm waiting for the ship to just sink because there's forty by forty foot hole yeah. inside, and they wanted us to uh, drive all the way. To, I mean sail all the way to Malta to get help instead of just, like, helping them. Like, oh, my God. It just sounded so terrible. The Israeli uh, person who finally showed up to help them flicked him off. What? Yeah, it was crazy. It was like, and imagine just going up there and, like, giggling and being like, blah, 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 my, my company. Blah. Like, oh, that's nice. But uh, anyways, screw you guys. Yeah, yeah that's it's just awful. a whole silly, uh, you know, finger poking thing at the various branches of military or whatever. And I don't even know what the American Legion really is. I don't either. Um it's like a it's like a veteran nonprofit type uh, of type of thing. Okay. I, I figured it was it's like a, club. a veteran it, club. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like a club. Yeah. It's a club and you, they're not in it. Yeah. You wear a hat and then you go there and drink beer, I'm pretty sure. It's yeah. just one of those. Apparently doing exactly what you were told to be doing by the military and then getting attacked by the the people you're supposed to be on the side of makes you unable to ever join the American Legion, the American Legion. Yeah. I, it's not like they did a war crime that the Israeli so, government did. So in addition to making threats, is it true that the um, American Legion guy uh, refused to accept questions? I think so, yes, from what I remember. 
Okay. All right. Um, well, uh, anyway, this is one of the yet another thing. You know, this is hack is, is interesting as this USS Liberty bill is, as much as I wanted to talk about it. It's still hacking at the branches, right? Mm, like, yeah. so we're going to solve this one problem that's fifty some odd years old. Uh, it won't solve any of the other problems. It won't even solve that one. Kind of. Um. It's kind of. What's the word like symbolic too? Like it's just kind yeah, of it's doing a symbolic, symbolic gesture. gesture. It's a right. nice gesture. And I, I was. Yeah, it was nice good. to like support those guys in a way like just like sit there and film them i I might make a video with it but i don't know if i will but um i you know it it was nice like to let those people have their first time ever being able to it's just like this is what they were happy about this is what those um people the survivors were really happy about they were happy that they were able to for the first time ever since 1976 when this happened speak to a governmental body about what happened to them and ask for like something so that was kind of nice to support like and everything but it was also like i exactly what ridley is saying it's like i don't feel like this is going to lead to any resolution anything that's really really substantial and good for anyone well it's 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 not bad i mean i appreciate what's going on it's just that this is yet one of the many thousands of issues that would be dealt with if we could just get out of this, out of this dystopian union. Of course, but you know, it's it's hard to get out of this, out of a dystopian dystopian union when people are so focused on maintaining the pledge of allegiance or a flag or things like that. Well, that's the that's the beauty of an independence <laughs> drive. You don't have to leave the union to get some of these other things done. Just yeah. just the fact that you have a movement pushing to leave the union makes them scared to do all kinds of things. I mean, our movement's not big enough to do that to them yet, but the Texas movement is. And over time, we will become big enough, likely, to, to, to hopefully ha- have them take their foot off the gas a little bit, as one of our people put it. Yeah. I'm just hopeful for a break from the federal government because, you know, I don't know about... Our listeners, I don't know about the American people listening to us out there, but I'm so tired of these presidential elections and and the stumping around and the running around these politicians. I don't care. I don't care about these people. Why do I have to sit around listening to people who want to rule over me tell me, oh, we're going to do the greatest thing for America? No, you're not. You don't care. You just want power. And I'm so sick of it. I don't. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I really want to vote this election cycle because I'm sick of the choices that I have. I mean, yeah, that's pretty valid. So what do you have to say about that, Ridley? Nothing to add. All right. Thank you so much for your call. Um, I just feel a little conflicted about that hearing. It was like, it was very interesting. It's very sad. We even have a caller, not on the line, but... Um, a, a woman caller that hasn't called in a while, at least on the day that I've been on. I think she only listens on the weekends. And um, she told us that her only brother died on the USS Liberty. And they really? like, they didn't give her any, they didn't give them very much information. You know, oh, of course not. Yeah. Brother wasn't there to explain it to him. And then she learns all this crap later in different documentaries or whatever. It's, it's just horrifying. So yeah, that is, it is really sad Um, because there's already... As a family member, there's already such a lack of closure there, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and then to find out like some gruesome details about it, like through like a third party source, like a documentary. I mean, that's 
Yeah, it's that really has sad. to be tough. It's, yeah. it's got to make it really tough. I wonder if it's true what uh, Libertariat in the chat is saying. He's saying that basically one of the people on the USS Liberty was an NSA employee, and he he was spying on Israel during the middle of the you know I think it was the Six Day War that oh, they were mm-hmm. in. Yep, and. I'm not saying that means they deserve to get bombed. I'm just saying. But you think maybe that's why? Maybe that could be why. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's still. He a is in the military. Experience. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's still very tragic for people to die. Sure. Um, for you know any government, and it's also just like okay, well, they were also supposed to be the allies, so isn't that still bad? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Moving on, I want to get back into a little bit more of this speech um, that Javier Malay gave because we didn't really get into the really like, dang, I can't believe he said that to the WEF type of stuff. And we read in the first hour an article that explained what he was doing there. Javier Malay is speaking at the World Economic Forum today. Javier Malay is the president of Argentina. He won as an open um, anarcho-capitalist which is just crazy. So a free market supporting libertarian. Yeah, it's very rare that that happens in the world. And he won uh, the presidency there is that. He started off by saying that the West is in danger because people have slowly moved more towards socialism, which consequently leads to poverty. And he said some people are doing it because they're right-thinking, helpful people who desire to help others, and some people are motivated to push the West towards socialism out of a desire to belong to a privileged caste. And that's what government um, parasites are. They say the top do less work and get paid anyway by the people who are forced to get to pay them by their dumb lackey goon cops that will kill them if they don't give their money to the parasite class and by extension, the cops. So he goes on, he says, Um, we are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but on the contrary, they are their cause. Believe me, there is no one better than us Argentinians to testify to these two issues. When we adopted the model of freedom back in the 1860s, in 35 years, we became the first world power. Well, when we embraced collectivism over the last 100 years, we saw how our citizens began to become poorer. And that definitely happened systematically until falling to number 140 in the world. But before we can give this discussion, it will be important that first we see the data that supports why not only is free enterprise capitalism not only a possible system to end poverty in the world, but it is the only system morally desirable to achieve it. If we consider the history of economic progress, we can see how from year zero to approximately the year 1800, the world's GDP per capita practically remained constant throughout the reference period. If one looks at a graph of the evolution of economic growth throughout the history of humanity, one would be looking at a graph that's shaped like a hockey stick, an exponential function which remained constant for 90% of the time and skyrocketed exponentially starting in the 19th century. He's saying things have only gotten better. Mm-hmm. The only exception to this history of stagnation occurred at the end of the 15th century when the discovery of with the discovery of america but apart from this exception throughout the entire period 
Between the years 0 and 1800, GDP per, per capita at a global level remained stagnant. Oh, I guess I was misunderstanding him. So he was saying that once America came about, it got better. But now, not only did capitalism generate an explosion of wealth from the moment it was adopted as an economic system, but if one analyzes the data, what is observed is that growth is coming, accelerating throughout the entire period. During the entire period between year 0 and 1800, the growth rate remained stable at around 0.02% annually. That is practically no growth. (laughs) Starting in the 19th century with the Industrial Revolution, the growth rate increased to 0.66%. At that rate, to double the GDP per capita, it would need to grow for 107 years. Now, if we look at the period between 1900 and 1950, the growth rate accelerates to 1.66, a whole extra point, annually. We no longer need 107 years to double GDP per capita, but 66. And if we take the period between 1950 and 2000, we see that the growth rate was 2.1% annually, which would mean that only in 33 years could the world's GDP per capita double. This trend, far from stopping, remains alive even today. If we take the period, so now he's saying it's only getting better. Okay, sorry, I misunderstood the beginning. Because I knew that he got to this point where he started talking about Yeah. That we live in the freest time, or I mean the most prosperous time We ever. really do live in the most prosperous time. I mean, we all have computers in our pockets. Yep. We can order food delivered yeah. to our house through apps. That's true. And, you know, we live in a very prosperous age, and this wouldn't have happened if socialism or top-down yeah. economic policies happened because of government. Governments can't think of these things. Right. Entrepreneurs do. It is nice to not have to like boil bath water and like, you know what I mean? Like it's not electricity is cool. Like all of the modern uh, amenities are pretty nice. Oh, definitely. It's nice to have internet to be able to communicate around the world with everybody. So I'm going to skip all the part where he is talking about um, like the numbers because. Yeah, he gets pretty technical in there. He does. It says the conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems. Free enterprise capitalism as an economic system is the only tool we have to end hunger, poverty, and homelessness throughout the world, the planet. The empirical evidence is unquestionable. Therefore, as there is no doubt that free market capitalism is superior in productive terms, the the leftists have attacked capitalism for its questions of morality, for being, according to them, its detractors say, that it is unfair. They say that capitalism is bad because it is individualistic and that collectivism is good because it is altruistic and consequently they fight for social justice. But this concept, which in the first word has become fashionable in the last decade, in my country has been a constant in political discourse for more than 80 years. The problem is that social justice is not only not fair, but it also does not contribute to the general well-being, which is what people who believe in that stuff really believe that it's supposed to do. Like, oh, we always give the, like everybody the same opportunity yeah, and, in life, blah, blah, blah. Well, and it doesn't work out that way. social justice has become a political weapon to use against people who are non-compliant to their ideology. Right, definitely. He says, quite the contrary. It is an inherently unjust idea because it is violent, because it is unfair and the state is financed through taxes, and taxes are collected coercively, or can any of us choose to not pay taxes? Which means that the state is financed through coercion, and that the greater the tax, 
burden, the greater the coercion, the less freedom those who promote social justice start from the idea that the entire economy is a cake that can be distributed differently, but that cake is not given. It is wealth that is generated in what Kersner calls a discovery process. If you produce a good quality product at an attractive price, you will do well and produce more. So the market is a process of discovery in which the capitalist finds the right direction on the fly. But if the state punishes the capitalist for being successful and blocks him in this process of discovery, it destroys his incentives. And the consequence of this is that he will produce less and the cake will be smaller, generating harm to the group as a whole. Dang. In the society, so harm to the group as a whole, the society, collectivism, by inhibiting these discovery processes and making the appropriation of what is discovered difficult, ties the entrepreneur's hands and makes it impossible for him to produce better goods and offer better services at a better price. How can it be then that from the academy, international organizations, politics, and economic theory, an economic system is demonized that has not only taken from the most extreme poverty to 90% of the world's population... That might be a little bit of a mistranslation. And it does so more and more rapidly, but it's also fair and morally superior. I, I think he's trying to say not only taken from the most extreme poverty to, I, I don't know what that part meant, but he's saying that it's only helped people become less poverty stricken and more. Well, when you allow well people to grow their own businesses or start a business or do whatever they want with their time and resources, people are going to prosper. You can't, we can't force top-down prosperity. It's got to come from the bottom up. He and says, when people are inspired to build and grow, they're going to grow. He says, thanks to free market capitalism today, the world is at its best. There has never been in the entire history of humanity a moment of greater prosperity than the one we live in today. 603-283-6160. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. We're talking about Javier Malay and his speech at the World Economic Forum. the phone number here that's 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight you've got me bonnie riley and nikki and i'm not going to read the entire rest of this thing i'm gonna try to post it i don't really know how i'm gonna do it i'm gonna try to post it on social land also well i'll definitely share the original article with you guys oh i know what i can do i can take the actual video and share it on social media at least on free talk live's twitter which is just at free talk live as far as this like english nine page thing i have i will try to find a way to share it um if, if somebody like emails me at, or ian at ian at freetalklive.com and really wants it i will send it to them because i have it all here like it's been a pretty good translation so far all that i read so far i feel like there's like one error that i couldn't really understand what the sentence trying to say but we've been talking in the last couple segments about Javier Malay's speech at the World Economic Forum Davos convention they have. 
um, in Switzerland, I think it is. Yeah, it's in Switzerland. And um, they're a bunch of bad, bad people, mostly. Well, well we, think we think they're bad because they want to control our lives, but you know, others might think they're so good. Yeah, they're... Bad They're people so because good, they want to um, take everything, own everything, and we just rent it from them. Yeah. Does anybody really think those people are good? Because I think even <laughs> like the leftists who like kind of do believe in that style of policy, yeah. are still extremely critical of them because of the blatant hypocrisy. Hmm. Oh, I'm sure you know I mean, they like, are. I mean, you guys all fly here in private jets. Yeah. Right. You're not even flying like you know business class or coat. You know. What so I mean? how can you care <laughs> about the poor when you're flying around in private jets? Well, it's uh-huh. about the well, well, typically. I mean, a lot of what they talk about is about climate. like the climate. Yeah, like the climate. So I mean, that's yeah. just like blatant hypocrisy. Yeah, I heard. You know what I mean? Like you should be walking there. Greta Thunberg claims that she like takes yeah like a, a, trains for like three days yeah. to get places, and I don't know if I believe her. I actually well, do believe her because really? she would seem like the type of person to do that. She is an environmental environmental activist. However, I do think that she believes so fully in this whole idea but she she's having a falling out with the the other climate people because they're practicing hypocrisy while she's trying to take this environmentalist fear or hysteria or whatever you want to call it this environmentalist uh story as seriously as you can because mm-hmm. she believes in it and she wants to save the environment well she probably calls them out right she i don't does. really follow any of this but i'm assuming if she's really like as you know principled as she she claims she is that she would you know she, she does call them out but the thing is like she's like you, you government people you're not doing enough and it's like maybe yeah. she just needs it's to like, like no figure out. them doing more is actually worse yeah yeah you, these yeah. people who are being total hypocrites you really trust them to just suddenly start caring about yeah your cause or you well we have other stuff to talk about tonight this is from the ap and i thought thought it was pretty funny actually it says no joke feds are banning humorous electronic messages on highways i've i've <gasps> seen the story no i love those really? <laughs> that's like the best part about like the department of transportation is their little like funny things yeah no i actually really if enjoy I those choose the best part yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's like you guys are complete trash, but every once in a while I'm driving on the highway and I see a little funny thing. I can't even think of an, an example now, but they'll do them for the holidays or whatever. Yep. Just a cute little clever thing. And, and normally I hate stuff like that, but for some reason it just makes me chuckle and it's like, oh, you guys did something, you know, to make me happy for once. Well, the feds <laughs> want to destroy that. It oh, says, poor, poor signs. It says, it's no joke. Humorous and quirky messages on electronic signs will soon disappear from highways and freeways across the country. The U.S. Federal Highway Administration has given states two years to implement all the changes outlined in its new 1,100-page manual. Holy moly. Released last month, including rules that spell out how signs and other traffic control devices are regulated. Administration officials said overhead electronic signs with obscure meanings reference to pop culture or those intended to be funny will be banned in 2026 because they can be misunderstood or distracting to drivers. I feel like that's just never happened. You know what's distracting to drivers is when a cop pulls somebody over for no reason (laughs) and they are blinding everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully you don't have epilepsy because there's freaking strobe lights in the on the side of the road. I mean, you know how many times I 
I get like sometimes flustered by headlights being too bright or like the LED headlights or sure. yeah, if yeah. people like flash their high beams at me. Like, I mean, even that's bad enough. Never mind. You have these bright flash and they're bright Blue, too. Yeah. Blue. You know what I mean? It's not Blue only is that red. giving people like anxiety, but it's also completely blinding and super dangerous. And the other night, I can't remember if you were in the car, Riley, but um, we went to Nikki's house and we brought Riley with us. Yep. And... It was either when we picked you up and we're on our way to Nikki's house or after we dropped I you off. I think it was on our way back. Oh, you were there because there yeah. was this cop on the side of the road that had pulled someone over and I was just lucky I was able to go around him. He was all in the my lane. Oh. Like it's I was lucky I saw him in time and I didn't just like like was looking behind me talking to someone in the back seat or something. Well, not really lucky. Like I just yeah. don't do that, but yeah. it's just he wasn't even tried to be pulled off to the shoulder. And he was just like, you'll go around me while he had somebody pulled over. You know? Like, that's so stupid. And so much more, like, not just distracting, but incredibly dangerous. And then if I did that, I'd get a ticket. Right, exactly. But, you know, the the shiny badge-wearing people get extra exceptions. Yeah. How did, yeah. We always come back to how we hate cops. Oh, yeah. Well, it's hard not to. I mean, they're so hateable. They're so, um, you know, parasites. Yeah. Goons. Yep. Despots, tyrants. I mean, they're all, I feel like they're all parasites, like all of the, you know, government people and the bureaucrats. But I feel like cops, since they're just like outwardly like attacking the entire population all the time. I feel like that's why it's like, wow, I can really get behind hating you even more. Here's the thing. Just because you're constant, like, they're, their entire job is to harass people and to, like, kill people and their dogs. It's like, I have said before that as far as, like, Ian getting thrown in a cage for no reason, I feel more annoyed by the average person who just is uh, apathetic about it than I feel about even the prosecution. Because, like, the prosecution, they have huge incentives they're like pretty rich compared to the average person oh yeah for the job that they have they have an organization backing them that has unlimited money it seems and the other thing but i mean but on the other hand the cops you live in the same house as me you're 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 absolutely immoral and disgusting to other human beings and and doing the bidding of these People who you'll just be like, okay, I'm just doing my job, just doing whatever somebody tells me. For what? To send your kids to public school in the same neighborhood that we all live in? Like, you're a freaking loser. Seriously, I just can't stand that. Like, I mean, it's not even like I'm trying to say, like, they'd be cooler if they had more money. It's just that, like, you are a disgusting person who would sell yourself out. For almost nothing. Like, you're just a dog. You're you're the government's dog and slave. And you're an idiot. Right. And... and the police profession, I mean, sure, in a free society, there there would be police, but they'd be focused on actual crimes instead of just pulling people over for broken taillights or whatever. And the profession itself is a good profession. However, when it's run by a parasitic institution like a government or whatever, and it has a monopoly on protection services, it has no incentive to improve. It has no incentive to be better. And they have every incentive to, if the government's like, take that person out. They're yes. just like, yep, 
Yep. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes sir. Yes, Just following orders. Yep, Just exactly. Following orders. Got to follow the law. Like the other day, I went to go visit Ian, and I got in super late, all because of the stupid person who was letting me in, aka the cop. Yeah. He tried forty keys right in front what? of me over and over again. Just tried all They're forty so dumb. keys. Yeah. Honestly, I don't want to say that like prison guards or what are they called? The correctional officers. I don't want to say that correctional officers are worse than regular cops because. I guess. Well, maybe, maybe it's about even. Yeah. Uh, but they are so dumb and annoying. That was, you know what I mean? You, like they visited people in jail too, so you know. Yeah. So what I'm talking about. And and I will say, well, I don't know. I only have a couple experiences, but I remember like they used to when my ex boyfriend was in jail. Like maybe, I don't know. This was a while ago. I was like 18 or something, so it was a long time ago. But um. Those people were the worst. Like, I feel like the county, like the state ones versus the federal ones, I feel like the county jails are way worse. Like, mm. they're just, I don't know, they're just losers. And they're Seriously. just looking for reasons to not let you in. Exactly. Yeah. Because they have all that power and they're like, oh, I don't like the pair of, the pair of pants you're wearing. Yep. So I can make it so you can't come in and see your loved one. It's like, are you serious? Like, this person is in jail. And their highlight of their day is seeing me. Yes. And I'm also, I've done nothing wrong. I'm convicted of no crime and I miss this person and I want to go visit with them. And you're going to, you know, take issue with the fact that I'm not wearing the right color pants. Yeah. It's, it, just it's just like, like, imagine how powerless and lame and stupid yeah, like they imagine are in how, their real life. That's the thing. Like, how much of a loser do you have to be it that just, you harass people for no reason just because you can? It just goes to show that when people get a little power, it goes to their minds and yep. they think they yeah, can exercise sure. all this power yeah. and all this magical authority over people when in reality they're just people with titles. and. So many teachers yeah. in my life were the same way and they're, they're government yeah. Too, like, yeah, absolutely. Too public schools. Yeah, I mean, public school teachers can be absolutely awful, and I do believe some of them, some of them are good. Like, I do know some public school teachers who like really try and are really like kind and nice. But there are some who are just. It's like, listen, if you hate children this much, yeah, seriously. you should get a different job. Yeah, you really should. Because some of them, like seriously, it just seems like they hate children and they're just like victimized by these 30 plus kids that are in their class and oh they're so naughty and oh my life is so hard and I don't get paid enough money and it's like this huge sob story that you always hear from public school teachers and it's like get a different job if you hate your life this much and if you're like you know traumatizing all of these kids and if you know what I mean like there were so many teachers that I felt like personally hated the students and would just do things just out of spite and it's like listen lady we're just kids like we're literally just being kids it's just it's, it's and just insane imagine to me. like what kind of a person you'd have to be to want to like make a small child or even like a teenager feel bad about themselves yeah, yeah. like tell them they're stupid a bad person yep you'd have to be a bad person with a terrible life who hates themselves yeah but anyways we just kind of went off about government employees there and how power goes to their heads. But yep. in this story, we're talking about how the U.S. Federal Highway Administration, they gave states two years to stop being funny on the highway. So when you're driving down the road and you see a sign that says, like, it's Christmas Day, right? And it says, 
look out for Santa's reindeer, don't get in a car accident. Just something stupid like that. I, honestly, <laughs> like Nikki likes them. I, usually they make me mad. Normally, and I, like I said, normally I hate stuff like that. Like I hate all of like the, I don't know. I, I'm not like a big like joke person, I guess, mm-hmm. in that style. But for some reason, I don't know when I see them. Because you, you feel like it shouldn't be there, right? right You're like, oh, this shouldn't it. be allowed, right? So it kind of just gives me a little giggle. Yeah. Um, just, and now they're actually taking sense. it away. I just find it sad that no humor is allowed while people are driving down the highway. It's like, why? Why is the government... It's like, are they going to soon say that if you make a joke while you're in the passenger seat, it's a, it's a right? crime? It's the yeah. same exact thing. How could it be distracting to a driver? I have no idea. Like, the other day, me and my sister went and picked up my brother from the airport, and we're, when we were driving him here... We were laughing so hard. Like, I was, like, going to die because he's like... What, you were enjoying your life? And I I didn't crash the car. (laughs) Yeah, it's not allowed. You can't enjoy your life. You can't enjoy your life, Bonnie. The government says no. It's just... It just shows what kind of people these people are. Yeah, they just... The government government has no sense of humor. They have no sense of life. They have no sense of freedom. They just want to make everybody homogenous and all the same. You will be miserable and you will like it. Yeah. Yeah. It says, administration officials said, overhead electronic signs with obscure meanings, references to pop culture, those intended to be funny will be banned in 2026 because they can be misunderstood or distracting to drivers. The agency, which is part of the U.S. Department of Transportation, said, signs should be simple, direct, brief, legible, and clear, and only be used for important information such as warning drivers of crashes ahead, adverse weather conditions, and traffic delays. Seatbelt reminders and warnings about the dangers of speeding or driving impaired are also allowed. Among those that will be disappearing are such messages as use ya blinka in Massachusetts. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That but pretty we're not going to be able to read it if they don't <laughs> yeah, spell they don't it like spell that. Like I'm that. not going to understand if you use an ER <laughs> instead of an AH. Oh my God. says, visiting in-laws slow down. Get there late <laughs> from Ohio. <laughs> See, like, that's pretty funny. That's pretty that's funny. funny. I mean, and even why? if you read it and you don't understand, it's just like, okay, the joke's just going to go over your head. Like, you know are, you gonna dr- are you going to turn around? Like, are you going to take a <laughs> yeah. U-turn and hit somebody behind you trying to refigure it out? I'm like, no, you're not. I feel like there's never been an instance that this no. happened. Does the, article, <laughs> does the article ever talk about how the government gathers this data on how distracted drivers are really how distracted these drivers are by spotting these funny things. See, that's what I wondered as soon as it said it made the claim that uh, people are distracted by it. I said, like, has anyone ever died? Like, I, I really don't. I doubt it, but I, I, I'm not sure if it gets into that. It says <clears throat> another example is don't drive stars spangled hammered. From oh, Pennsylvania. Like, it's stupid, <laughs> but it's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're on the highway. What what better right. do you have to do? You know what I mean? says, Hocus Pocus, drive with focus from New Jersey and hands on the wheel, not your meal from Arizona. <laughs> oh, I don't like that one because I, I like to eat while I drive. Me too. Yeah. I hate that it's illegal in some places, maybe all of the states. It? Yeah, you probably shouldn't, but I mean, I've never who doesn't? been known if it was illegal in any state I've ever presently been in because I don't care. I'll eat I don't care. I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't eat while I drive. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, that's good. That's very safe of you, Riley. Yeah, I'm, I'm very safe. Arizona has more than 300 electronic signs above its highways. For the last seven years, the State Department of Transportation has held a contest to find the funniest and most creative messages. 
Anyone could submit ideas, drawing more than 3,700 entries last year. The winners were seatbelts, always pass a vibe check. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just a sign asking drivers to turn... To use turn signals. Okay, that one sucked. Yeah, I know that one's not funny. I almost <laughs> maybe it maybe they should start like a law that instead of just banning funny, well, like they have to be funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be more interesting. Then you can see how funny people can get. You know, <laughs> I don't know because sometimes not like I would drink and drive, but like when I see the the funny DUI ones, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that makes me like really want to like take this more seriously. <laughs> not like I was going to do that in the first place, but like now I'm definitely not going to drink and drive yeah. because of this funny sign on the road. Makes it feel more like it's a person trying to tell you something instead of yeah the government issuing an order. Yeah. Like if it just says, obey, do not drink and drive. Yeah, it's like, no one, now that makes me want to. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Says, the humor part of it, we kind of like, said state rep David Cook, a Republican from Globe, told Phoenix, oh, I guess that's Arizona, told Phoenix TV station ABC or CBS 5, I think in Arizona, the majority of us do, if not all of us. He said he didn't understand the fuss. Why are you trying to have the federal government come in and tell us what we can do in our own state prime example that the federal government is not focusing on what they need to be i mean yeah that's pretty that's, it, that's actually true. a great point it's like you know the the entire world is in shambles and they're like yeah you guys are being you way be too funny, funny on the highway yeah. how dare you and it's just like i want to know what riley is asking like is it true that people are actually dying from this i doubt it i doubt it too i think it's just a a way for the government to remove humor from everything. Um, one thing Ian did tell me was that this Wall Street Journal one got into more um, detail about it. So let's see what they say about it. It says, it tells us that they have the two years only. And it says, Sam Cole, safety communications manager for Colorado's Department of Transportation, said that when he tells people what he does for work, all they remember are the road signs, which include... Quips such as when at Halloween, make mummy happy, buckle up. That one's terrible. I don't like that. I mean, it's nice wordplay, but... <laughs> Says, oh, you're the VMS guy, they'll tell Cole, referring to the variable message signs as they are known. I never knew that. Yep. It says the... Federal Highway Administration lays out its position in the newest edition of a 1,100-plus 1, page manual... Flipping to page 519 finds guidance stating humorous signs might be understood or understood by only a limited segment of road users. Okay, well, if you don't get okay. the joke, like, it's not going to kill That's you. That's the thing. It's like the only people that aren't going to understand is like really, really old people who probably shouldn't like be driving. Like the vibe check thing. Like old yeah, people exactly. might be like, what? What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Am I supposed to stop? Am I supposed to turn around? You're like, oh, just kidding. Oh, crap. I missed the vibe check. I got to go back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> well, I like I like this is we're like obviously like clearly joking. Like, I don't think that's yeah. the case. They might, they'll just be like, what does that mean? And then yeah. they'll stop. So, yeah. I mean, not stop their car, but they'll just be they'll <laughs> stop thinking about it. But it does look like we actually have a caller in line. So I'm going to go to Alu here in New Hampshire. Alu, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I am very far behind on Free Talk Live, probably around 34 trillion episodes behind. So um, I know. I um, haven't I'm heard gonna, from you in a while. I know because I'm busy with the baby and a million other projects. I'm working on the next book. Understandable. Way, keep men busy. 
Yeah, the First Amendment book. It's uh, over 70,000 words already, and it might come out within the next few um, weeks or months. It might be finished, and then I'll review it and edit it one last time. So it might actually be here soon by the spring. Um, it'll awesome. be my longest book, and it'll be hopefully the most comprehensive book on First Amendment violations in the universe. But anyway, um, a few comments on the last few shows a while ago. Um, someone mentioned that the um, autopsies a few nights ago, I think Mickey mentioned, they were talking about autopsies and organs, and they were asking about the brain. The one autopsy I saw in entire medical school was like 10 years ago now, and um, it, they do cut out the, everything, because she asked if you have to remove okay. the skull, you do have to cut out the brain. What they do is, I think everything is they, they take it out of where it is, so they took the brain out of the skull and then slice it up in a thin slices, maybe like a centimeter or two centimeters thick, and then that way they can see all the slices, they can see if there's any, you know, plaque, injury, lesion, whatever, clots. Um, huh. They do the same thing, I think, with, with the heart um, and, and all the other organs. Um, so, so they would have to take it out, and that's probably standard with every autopsy. Um, and then I think Richie Rich, as the contrarian he always has to be, which is fine, he <laughs> yeah. said that he does not want to be an organ donor because he is a crazy conspiracy theorist that believes that if you're an organ donor, people in the hospital or EMS may try less uh, vigorously to resuscitate you because they want to harvest organs. I think that, I don't know if that has any validity, it might. I think it's an interesting argument, but I would argue the flip side also might be true in that pretty much the way it works with, with um, like paramedics, and, and doctors in the ER is as soon as they find out you're an organ donor, if they look at your, your ID card and everything, I didn't really make it a habit of pulling out wallets and looking at licenses. Um, I was, as a paramedic, I kind of have to run the cardiac arrest and stuff. Yeah. Um, some others have seen, maybe police do that, maybe some EMTs. Um, I haven't really done that much on cardiac arrest, but at some point, you know, you look at it, if you're going to terminate the, the CPR and, and pretty much what I'm getting at is if they see that you're an organ donor, that would actually make them work harder to save you and harder to keep doing CPR, to keep blood going, to keep you alive. So pretty much what we're talking about is, is even if you're brain dead, good CPR, ventilations, and all the other stuff they do will keep blood mm. uh, oxygenated and circulated to the organs and keep it alive and the organs in perfect shape with, by doing perfect CPR until you go to a hospital, and it has to be a, a fairly large hospital, um, like not a local community hospital, it would be here. It would be uh, you know Dartmouth or maybe uh, CMC or otherwise Mass Gen or something in Boston, and then you know they could do the harvesting and they could take the organs. But you have to have perfect CPR. Like in order to keep those those organs perfused, you have to be doing very very good CPR. So people know. I mean, I think I think paramedics and doctors know if they're an organ donor. Instead of like most most cardiac arrest work, like outside of a hospital, like one or two percent will ever come back to life. They're dead. Getting them back to life is very very difficult. Well, um, you had more you wanted to say. You had more you wanted yeah, to get into that. And that's pretty interesting because I have also had, like, um, trepidation about being an organ donor. And I have some questions for you coming up if you want to stay on. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. amplifiers and other listeners this is bonnie in post show editing i had to go through and delete all of the commercial breaks for this recording and i deleted the last hour of the show because during the live recording there was a there was an issue and captain tried to fix it and neither of us are ian so there were many long pauses where we weren't actually broadcasting any audio and I just decided to completely delete the last hour 
and I don't think you're missing much. We talked about one more article. We took all of our chronic callers that decide it's best to call in all at once at the last hour of the show. But thank you so much for listening to Free Talk Live, and I hope you enjoyed this. I really wanted to get it out, especially the Javier Malay content. So thanks so much for listening. It's been Free Talk Live. <laughs> 